Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the John Frisella Show here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. As always, well, except for last week, I have with me my good friend, John. I won't say legend. It's not legend, John. Legend. John Frisella uh, at Legend Sports 7 on Twitter. What's going on, Wesley? Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody listening and to the missus and the kids. And, uh, Woo boy, it's a crazy time right now. Let me tell you in my life. This this thing is getting just wild. It's nuts. <laughs> yeah, last week we had to miss a week. I think that's probably the second time we'd miss in a long time. And I just went ahead and took the week off because JB had to miss last week and Rob Norton was really busy as well. So me and Pierre squeezed in a little DFS dreamer action, but then I just went ahead and took the opportunity to take a week off myself. So I hope we're all caught back up and, and we're doing some crazy things. I knew it was gonna get crazy during the holidays though. Yeah, I mean, for me in particular, you know, you know me, I plan things out in advance. I, I like things a certain way. I'm organized. I could tell you one thing, my friend. I did not plan to have two closings on two property sales the week of Christmas and Christmas Eve when we are people that participate in those holidays. So, I mean, talk about I, I had those two closings scheduled for October 1st, and they've been pushed off so far from a various number of reasons. So now you got the holidays going on. The missus is pregnant. She's doing all types of shopping. There's bags everywhere. We're packing at the same time. I'm going to one closing. This whole time, I'm still working. And the whole time, I'm still trying to do some of the fantasy stuff. So I don't even know. I feel like maybe we added a day to the week. I don't even know how many days in the week there are anymore. Well, that's okay. Because for a bread man right now, this time of year, I always tell my guys, we just put our head down and we get through this. Because once Thanksgiving hits, you don't know what day of the week it is anymore. Because you're trying to plan things out. Sometimes you got to order certain products two weeks in advance. And it it really gets confusing because you're a day behind on your ordering system. Then you work an extra day that you're usually off. You don't even, I don't even know what day of the week it is right now. Go ahead and quiz me on that. And I bet you I can get it eventually, but I just don't know if I can get it right away. You know, when you, when you said it just now i had to think for a second and say wait what day of the week is it i think it's thursday but i I mean i i was like is it friday i was kind of i was kind of in between on that so i'm with you how was this week was it nuts with all the the late deliveries before the holiday no, not really. Uh, Christmas is pretty slow, actually. It's, it's. I say it's slow. It's not as busy as Thanksgiving. It's just kind of a normal week. If you order normal, you usually end up okay. It's just really tricky trying to figure out everybody's schedule because this place is open this day. This place is open another day. Some people close early. Some people don't close at all. You know, it's just kind of one of those crazy things. I'll tell you, the busiest store this time of year is Waffle House. Waffle House goes nuts on Christmas Day down here. <laughs> I don't, Everybody goes there in the morning time. They do as much in one day as they do over an entire weekend. Okay, that I mean that's just it, plus another half order. If I do that, I'm, I'm I'm what I call bulletproof. You know, so if you stick 140 white bread in there, I'm going to be okay, right? Yeah, I'm not going to run out. So the Waffle House is just crazy. And then I'm going to say this: there's a little threat of snow in my area as mm-hmm. well. So so that really throws a kink in the plans, John. I don't know if you've heard of what happens down here in the South or not, but even when they breathe the words possibility of snow, a slight <laughs> accumulation, a little bit of dusting, people go crazy and go out to the stores and buy all the bread. It looks like a, a, a COVID scare, you know, a lockdown scare is what it looks like every time down the bread aisle. You know, that's a great point. It's it's really this year has been, you know, as wacky as it's been. It's been interesting for me getting more into talking to guys all over the country, um, you know, other than my friends that I had from UConn. Those are those are my buddies that were all over the country to begin with. Sure. Now I have you where you guys are. Right. And that's what you're saying about the snow. And then I was on with Andy the other day in Minnesota. 
Um, and there, there was like, you know, it's a joke to them. Snow. Are you kidding? They, they live inside icicles. They, they live in igloos. They don't, they don't care. They're like the snow. You can give me 30 inches of snow. We don't care. And then I'm the midpoint. So you guys down in Alabama, it's like, well, you know, this is a whole big deal that the snow's coming over here in New York. It's right in between the two. It's like, we know we get the prep, we get the texts from the electric company and all this stuff. And it's on the really? news and, but we know how to do it. We had 12 inches of snow last week. So we're right in between Minnesota. They get 30 inches. They don't even blink an eye. Alabama, you get, you know, a little drop and everybody panics. And in New York, we're like the midpoints, like we can handle it, but we'd rather not deal with it. Yeah. And I, I grew up in Illinois, so I, I'm very familiar with the snow. Now I've been down here for so long that I don't like driving in the snow at all. It's very scary. I'm white knuckled whenever I do have to drive in the snow, it feels like because mm -hmm. I'm getting a little bit older anyway. So I'm kind of white knuckling all the time anyway, except mm -hmm. when I'm looking at all the neon signs around. I, I look, I, I get so distracted whenever I drive, John, and one day we'll have to get into all the different accidents that I've been into uh, <laughs> just to see if you can understand. <laughs> but really, I'm, I'm flustered now. I, I, I sat down in front of the computer and I'm trying to get this all done because we're, you know, we're doing a show and we usually talk about DFS stuff a little bit. We talk about fantasy football a little bit. We go over the point spreads and everything. I don't have anything pulled up on my computer at all. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was Christmas songs. And, and I was geared up. I was ready to go. I, I, I did everything. I was finished. I was going to have a couple hours to sit down and get this show ready to go. And then all of a sudden my stove went out, John. I, I, went I, I saw that in your text. I was like, oh, man, that could be an all day thing. You never know. No, 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 not an all day thing. And and by the way, our good friend, John McNabb, is that his name on Twitter? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. He's an appliance repairman. I had to repair all my week off of the podcast stuff. I repaired my dryer last week. I had a little big, I, I say a little squeak. It turned into a huge squeak. And so I had to figure that out. And so I had to get in there and do that. And then John told me that he was an appliance repairman. If I needed, had any questions, I could just ask him. And so I, I tweeted at him today to tell him, hey, I'm fixing my stove now. Every week something's breaking at my house. I need John to come down and just fix everything. How much is he going to cost to to fly out to see how far away is he? Do we know where he is? Oh, I, I ain't doing that. The reason why everything <laughs> breaks down at my house is because I'm cheap, right? And I, I can fix it myself. I'm not going to go out and buy something new. I'm not flying in. John McNabb to come down here and fix everything. It's just a little igniter. I stuck the little igniter in there. The the bad part about it, so I'm working on my gas stove, right? And and you you and I both know I'm not the brightest bulb in the in the bunch, right? Okay, so you know I'm, I'm kind of get out ahead of my skis a little bit, and I just get in there and I start doing things. I don't think it all the way through. <laughs> and, and so I'm in there and I'm taking this piece apart. Right now I'm wrestling with the bottom. I want to call it a heat shield. I don't know what it is. I'm wrestling with the bottom heat shield. Right, whenever you called me and said, "Hey, I'm ready to go," I, and I'm, I can't figure out how that thing goes on there. I'm telling you right now, I'm about to throw it out the window. But I, I was down there and I was taking this the, the igniter off, right? Because that's what it is. That's how that's how your stove ignites. Right. And and so I, I I grab it and I start pulling on it a little bit, just gently, because it's made out of ceramic. You don't want to pull too hard. So I pull on it. And I'm like, oh man, that's rough around the edges. Ooh, that's. A, and so I, I get my fingers in there a different way, and I I start pulling on it again, and I'm like, ooh, that's rough. Ooh, I bet you that's electricity. Is what it was. It was electricity coming through there. It wasn't rough around the edges. It was shocking me is what it was doing, John. So I forgot to <laughs> shut off. You're electrocuting yourself. <laughs> well, I was working on a gas stove. I didn't think about shutting off the electricity, but it made a lot of sense because it's an igniter, right? So it needs to ignite from something. So I went out there and cut off the electricity. It wasn't the first time I've been shocked working on something. Let's just say that. That probably explains a lot, right?
Yeah, no, it does. It does explain a lot, but I mean, it, it seems like it wasn't too bad today because you sound like you're lucid and you're with it. So I, I guess the shock <laughs> wasn't that bad. That reminds me, one time I was working. I was a manager at batting cages when I was much younger, mm-hmm. and uh, I was working a shift, whatever. And people were talking to me at the same time. I was multitasking, like fixing a vacuum, because mm-hmm. you know you have like whatever that material is where the batting cages sit on top of it. So, you know, I'm trying to like keep the place nice, whatever, do the whole thing. And I'm talking to people and I'm, I'm also doing like actual like mechanical work, which is not my strong point. So as I'm doing it, I realized I touched something in there and I forgot to unplug it and I electrocuted myself. Bam. Yeah. The bit, so, the best elect I've been, like I said, I've been electrocuted many times. I, I don't, the one I remember the most is when I took apart a television, one of those old televisions, you know, like the, like the older ones, it was just a little 19 inch though. It wasn't really, didn't intimidate me at all. And I took it apart and I listen, I unplugged it first. Okay. The television would go from like one line on the television, but if you jumped up and down on the floor and it mm-hmm. shook the TV, it would go to a full screen again. Right, unless the wind blew and then it went back down to a little screen again. So something was loose in there. And what I was going to figure was out. Nineteen twenty-four. <laughs> I was going to figure out what was loose in it. So because you used to be able to stomp on the floor, stomp on the floor, or hit it on the side, and it'd go back to a normal screen, like a you know a nice screen. I could watch the Bulls games on it. And so I took it apart. I unplugged it like a smart guy, right? But nobody ever told me that these tube televisions held an electrical charge on the inside of it. On the right. Oh, buddy, that was a bam. That one got me. I mean, I, woo, that lit me up. Did you go down? Did you go, when you got the shock, did you, did you jump back or you were just like, what the hell was that? What the hell? I mean, that's crazy. It, it got me, it got me pretty good. I don't remember really what it was because I was, I was, woo, woo, woo. I probably sounded like Ric Flair is what I was. <laughs> <laughs> woo. Oh man, that's bad. That's a bad one. But you reminded me, you know, since we're at Christmas time of the old Nintendo. Right, that's one of my first presents that I remember as a kid. The original Nintendo, whatever oh, yeah. NES, I think it was. And that thing, when it wasn't working, you know, you'd you'd put the cartridge in, you blow on it, and then if it wasn't working, you'd have to bang on the side to get it to work. So you just reminded me of that, and that's that's probably my earliest memory of a gift. I think I was like three years old, and I remember my uncle brought it to my grandmother's house, and I just jammed on that thing all night. I was playing Mario, I was playing Duck Hunt. All those old classics. So, yeah. yeah, that's that. That's a lot of banging and slamming to get that thing to work. Yeah, sometimes you had to wedge every once in a while. You wedged something in there to get yes. the, the cartridge yes. to work. Yeah. I had that one, too. I got that one. Um, I was probably a teenager at that time, John, just to be honest with you. And I even had the robot. There was a robot that came with that Nintendo, original Nintendo, I believe. And I used to play first and ten. Like crazy. That, I think that was the name of the game. And I, I even kept the little stats. I had a stat sheet for it. You know, <laughs> uh, run, run to the left, run to the right, run up the middle. You know, I don't think I passed it very often. But uh, I, I remember getting the Atari 2600. And I had one of those original uh, P- Pong Pong games. Yeah, yeah. I think that's Where you hit it, it back and forth, like tennis almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a Pong, John. I had a Pong. That's how old I am. That listen, you know how viral that game was. I watched a documentary called Something Magic. It was the name of a company that came about after Steve Jobs and his other guy were working at Apple, and then they were like, "Okay, let's make another dream type company with all these electronics." And what they talked about was kind of how things had an evolution from Atari and things like that. And then it got into other types of technology. And they just talked about how Atari was like cutting edge, right? Think about that. The Pong was oh, just yeah. hitting it back and forth. But these guys were like geniuses that they were even able to get that to work. That's what was really interesting about the whole thing. 
But um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many things in technology that are out there over the years that they either come and go, but there were so many people that really put everything they had into it. So, I mean, even something like that, that seems stupid now. That was like a huge project, you know? Yes. And, and, and transferring that into a topic that we wanted to get onto today with Rudolph's nose glowing really bright, mm-hmm. like mine, mine was after I hit the television, and people putting their heart and soul into some things. I wanted to get your feelings on some Christmas songs, right? Because you're, you're my master of lists here, and mm-hmm. I have some Christmas songs that I really, really like. And we talked about uh, the Dominic the Donkey song a couple of weeks ago, I think is what it was. And I, I still, I play that every once in a while just to hear you go, ee-aw, ee-aw. <laughs> <laughs> ee-aw, but, ee-aw. Dominic the Donkey. <laughs> What do you think about like some of these very popular Christmas songs like the Jackson 5, Santa Claus is coming to town when you have a little Michael Jackson? Uh, my wife says that he yells, he screams, and she doesn't like that song very much because it's just, Mom! you know, like that. He's kind of like, uh, so what do you think about a Jackson 5, Santa Claus is coming to town song? Oh, I like Jackson 5. I like old like R&B or like Motown or Jackson oh. 5, you know, like I, I always had that rhythm. So, yeah, I like that one. But yes, I, I mean, he was so young. His his voice was super high pitched. He was very young when he was the lead singer of the group. Um, but that's a good one. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. But I mean, my my favorite is I'll Be Home for Christmas because I can hear that one by about 15, 20, 25 different singers. And I like every version of it. So really? that's definitely my favorite one. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's like, uh, you know, that's the heartstrings type of song. I'll Be Home for Christmas. We know it was really for the troops. Right. And, and the guys overseas and the girls overseas coming home to their families. Um, but that plays that plays in a lot of different ways when you listen to the lyrics. One of my guilty pleasures is Wham's Last Christmas. I like that one. Oh, good it's one. Not what, That's a good one. Yeah, that it really is. It pulls on your heartstrings a little bit too. But I mean, he he's kind of soulful. You know, George Michael was always a soulful singer. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a good one. No, no question. That's definitely got to be in the top 15 or so. All I want for Christmas is, uh, is you is a great one, Mariah Carey, in, in her prime. So that that's a fun one. And that's that's probably the one that they hit the hardest on the radio over here. They just hammer that thing home. It's like you, you, it's like there's 800 Christmas songs and that one's on every other song when you listen to the radio here. So that's a good one as well. I love Bruce Springsteen. Santa Claus is coming to town, too. Just, you know, just it sounds different. Whenever it comes on the radio, you're like, hey, that one's different, right? That's a good one. Santa Claus is coming to town. Ba-dum, ba-dum. Yeah, that, that yeah. is a good one. And are you a fan of the Muppets? Do you like the Muppet one or the Alvin and the Chipmunks one? I like Alvin and the Chipmunks. I like that one as a kid. I like their little dialogue at the beginning where they're chirping back and forth at each other, and then they, they break into the song. Um, and that one, by the way, is catchy. If you're going to put up there for the ones that get stuck in your head, like you said, Dominic the Donkey, that's another one. The Alvin and the Chipmunks one. It just play. It just has that melody and the way that they lay out the song where you're just like, can this thing get out of my head already? Enough. Yeah. And I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the girls the girls like that uh one like that though they they like any of those ones with the kids and i love the nat king cole the christmas song he just seems to have such a good time singing christmas songs whenever you listen to him at least at least i think he's having a good time oh yeah i mean he's smooth as silk nat king yeah. cole i mean just you know he he was very like uh almost a frank sinatra type or you know or now if you want to compare it to somebody contemporary like michael buble but that type of, you know, very, very melodic and very, you can, you can really get into it. You know, you can get into the scene 
of the song, Nat King Cole, tremendous. There is a video on YouTube that I have to watch every year, and I bet you I watch it all throughout the year, though, probably 25 times a year, and, and a lot of those times are around Christmas, and I don't know if you've ever seen this one or not. It's for, the, for King and Country is the name of the band, for King and Country, and they do a rendition of Little Drummer Boy live on stage at like the CMT Awards or, or CMT Christmas or something like that, and I'm telling you, John, it is one of the greatest things you'll ever see. on. You're like, wow, look at the performance by these guys. Yeah, that's also a good one, by the way. I like that one. You know who has a good one? Yeah, I know you're not going to like this because he's very hip. But Justin Bieber has beautiful vocals on that song, on the exact one that you're talking about. He has a really nice contemporary one. He's one of the only of the contemporary artists who actually even tries to tackle the holiday songs. You know what I mean? And, and put his own spin on it. But mm -hmm. yeah, Little Drummer Boy, there are a lot of good versions. The one that I know exactly the one that you're referring to, that's one of the classic ones. And then, you know, throw out there one that's from the recent years. I would throw out Justin Bieber. Okay, and, and Justin Bieber, you're right. He and you brought up one of my favorite Christmas songs, the the Marshmallow song. You, you, Dean Martin did it best, I think, uh, where where it's uh, Marshmallow Puffs. I haven't heard it this year at all, and that you just reminded me of that because Justin Bieber did one uh, with it as well, and and that's a that's a fun little song. I like it. Is it Marshmallow something or another? I don't know what it's called. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but they haven't been playing it this year. I'm actually looking at the 20 Christmas songs that have been played the most. On Spotify this year, that's not in there. You're you're right. The numbers are down on that. All I want for Christmas is you is leading the way. Mariah Carey, I was right. Without even I'm looking at the list now, and I said that before. Everybody just hammers that song. You just can't get away from it. Yeah, and and uh, my daughter plays the piano pretty well, and she she hits that that uh, Trans Siberian Orchestra. She she does a little bit of that on the piano, and I even asked her because she she does it in a higher pitch, and I said, mm -hmm. hey, make it make it a lower pitch so it's scary. <laughs> and she, so, she, so she'll put it in that one, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that, that's, that gets my toes tingling right there. I like that one. I'm looking hey, but, at, some, at some of these other ones. Uh, there's like Ariana Grande. I don't even know she does Christmas songs. Yeah, so this yeah. is John Lennon. But, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess we got to talk football at some point. Well, I am. I am, and I, I wanted to get that out of the way. Because, of course, one of your favorite shows, Seinfeld, talked about a Festivus, right? There was oh, a Festivus classic. episode. Right. Classic. Where you get out your grievances. And so I wanted to get the good stuff out of the way, even though this is going to be gold, I think, right now, because, John, I couldn't help but wonder what you were thinking <laughs> as the New York Jets were taking it to the Los Angeles Rams last week and ended up getting their victory for the season that actually put them not in first place to get the first pick of the draft next year, but <laughs> They put up like a half a game behind the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think, when it comes to a tiebreaker. I don't know. I think the, I think the Jaguars are now ahead of the Jets. But I, I just had to wonder what you were thinking during that entire time of watching the Jets hand it to the Rams. I wish you could see my face right now. I wish you could see the disgust. The utter, my eyes are dead. I'm cold inside. I mean, I, let, let me tell you, I was running around like a maniac on Sunday. Here's where I'm at in the whole situation. First of all, I started the day. And that was one of, you know, I like to do the picks with my father-in-law with Mike. And that was one of the games that was in contention because it was 17 point spread. And my wife was involved in this too. My wife knows the Jets. She know she does have a sense of football. The two of them are very anti-Jets, even though they're both Jets fans. So they were like, oh, we got to take the Jets. Uh, we got to take the Rams as a 17 point favorite, right? So I started the day with this. I said, not a chance. The Jets, after getting blown out 40 to three, by the Seahawks, there's no way they're not covering the spread. They're definitely going to cover the spread, right? So anyway, they went against me, so we lost that. Now, that's how I started the day. However, yeah. putting that into context, I never 
thought they would even be close to winning the game. I just figured they'd be behind like a steady 10 all game. That was my thought. So I'm running around all day on Sunday, okay? I'm in the fantasy cha- uh, the fantasy semifinals in my main league, the one where I won 11 in a row. I look at my cell phone when I'm running around to the houses. I have 600 text messages. I'm like, what is going on? Now, why do I have 600 text messages? So I, I, I'm in the car. I'm driving home. I finally flip it on. We go to my parents to get a uh, – we order a pizza. I put the game on, and I see the Jets are winning in the third quarter. That's when I found out. I'm like, wait a minute. The third quarter? Maybe the first quarter I can handle this. I'm like, wait, the third quarter we're winning? Are we actually going to win this game? Because I know how the Rams are, and you and I have been saying it all year. If they're in a tight one, anybody can beat them. They, mm-hmm. they sometimes just don't have it to blow you out. And I heard their energy was really low in this game. So meanwhile, I'm watching it, watching it, rooting against the Jets for two reasons. One is I want them to get the first pick. Two is I have Cam Akers in that championship, the fantasy football championship. So I, I'm like, this is like crazy. And, and lo and behold, as I see this going on, I get uh, Cam Makers touchdown gets called back. So mm-hmm. I ended up losing the championship on that callback touchdown. It was close enough that I would have won. Number two, I see that the energy from the Rams down the stretch is not there for them to take the game. So at about five minutes to go in the game, I'm like, they're going to win this game. I can't believe it. And I was with my dad and my mom and my wife, all Jets fans. And they were kind of laughing it up, whatever, not taking it seriously as me. I'm like, we're going to actually win this game. So, so the point is after all that, to this second, I'm still in disbelief. I'm stuck in that same moment that I was there where I'm like, I can't believe it. We're really going to win. So I still don't. It doesn't seem like it happened. Let's put it and, that way. And I have a friend who is a, a Clemp, big-time Clemson Tiger football fan. And I, I told him last week, I said, yeah, I just don't think Sunshine is all that impressive. I, I just don't see. And then he played lights out, right? You know, he played mm-hmm. lights out last weekend in the mm-hmm. championship game. And, and he said, no, Wes, you're, you're just wrong. He is a transcendent player. He, he's going to be like a Peyton Manning. He's going to be somebody. He's, he sees the field great. He does great things. And then, of course, the Jets. And I was happy for you. I mean, I thought about that at some point, and I was like, well, at least the Jets are going to get him, you know? And <laughs> they came out and did that on Sunday. You tried to drive me up a wall right now. As you were doing, laying out that nice compliment for Trevor Lawrence, I'm just thinking about how we're not going to get him. I mean, I'm, re- I'm, ready to sna- I'm ready to go Christmas crazy right now. <laughs> Christmas crazy. I like it. Speaking about Christmas crazy, talk about those Minnesota Vikings right now for me, John, against the New Orleans Saints. I think this is our first game. It's a game that's coming on tomorrow, as a matter of fact, which is uh, a little bit different. But we get now, in my lifetime, I have seen a game. I'll be able to watch a game every day of the week for the NFL, and I never would have thought I was going to be able to do that. This line started out at 53-point total. It's 53-point total. It's dropped down to 51. One and right now the Saints are favored by seven points, John. That seems like a low number to me. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with you on this. I have a very distinct memory of that game against the Bucks, the Minnesota game, right? If you recall, I believe the line was hovering at the exact same number, six and six and a half, seven against the Bucks. And when we looked at it, we said, Well, Minnesota's on the come up right now and they kind of need to win. So that's enough points that they might be able to sneak under that, or maybe they'll play really well and maybe they'll get a chance to win the game straight up. Now I learned my lesson there. They're not in a class of team with a new Orleans or a Tampa Bay. So even though it is 68% on the saints, I'm going to go with the trend from the previous game. And I am going to take the saints also after a kind of an iffy performance last week for them, maybe they'll Mm -hmm. come back with a strong rebound and a boomerang effect. So I'm going to go with the saints to win this one by about, 10 to 13 points. 
Yeah, and I'll take the over. That's a 51-point total, and I just I think that uh, Vegas is thinking that maybe the Minnesota Vikings won't be able to score at all, and I could see that, but I could also see a late touchdown cover or something like that, just trash garbage time to cover 51 points. That's a really low point total with two, I, I want to call them high-powered offenses. Uh, at least I know Minnesota can score football every once in a while, so I'm yeah, going to go with that one. It's a tricky combination of all the factors, right, because you have the line went up, which is a good sign for people. I'm talking about the actual line for the game from six and a half to seven. So that's a good sign for people that want to take the Saints. Then again, it's only 32% on Minnesota. That's a good sign for the people that want to take Minnesota. And then when you throw in your over-under that you just tossed out there, going from 53 down to 50 and a half, if we had to decide between the two teams who's the defensive team out of these two, it's obviously New Orleans. So that makes you think New Orleans is the right play with the spread because the line is going down, which means their defense is the one that's going to put its foot down in this game. So if you add all that up, it's a, it is a bit confusing. Let me throw one more wrench in there. Minnesota as a 10-point underdog with similar teams to what they have now, they beat the Saints in the playoffs last year. So throw that in there, and then you really got a confusing situation. Well, there's no Stephon Diggs, and I don't think George, I don't think Jefferson is a Stephon Diggs going to be a miracle waiting to happen this year. I don't think that that's going to happen. Hey, Tampa Bay is traveling up to Detroit. Talk about a strange turn of events for for a team. Tampa Bay is is going from the nice, pretty warm weather all the way to Detroit, which I I think is going to snow tremendously. I think of I have a friend who uh, texted me, tweeted me, or something like that about all that. And and right now. Tampa Bay is favored by 10 points, and this point total hasn't changed at all. It's sitting at 54, John. Is Tampa Tom going to be able to get it done in a cold environment? I know it's indoors, but you know what I mean. It's just hard for me with Detroit to have any faith in them. You know, no matter, I know we've had a coaching change. I know they've had a couple of games where they, they came out of nowhere to play pretty quite well uh, in the last few weeks or so. But for me, against a better team like a Tampa Bay, who Tampa Bay needs to get real serious now right? This is, there's no more time to like feel your way around and say, okay, well, we got a new quarterback, the same story we've been hearing all year. And we got a lot of new bodies out here. So we really got to get on the same page. You can only do that for so long before it's time to really put it together and put your foot down. Um, So with that being said, I would think over the course of the game with the technicalities, right? If you think about who's a better technical team, who's got guys that are going to do things the right way on both sides of the ball, that's going to be Tampa Bay. So I do think Detroit, if you want to play Detroit, because it's only 24% on them right now, I think that play is going to be the first half, right? Don't forget, you can bet the first half. So if mm-hmm. you're going to go bold and you're going to go against the good team here, you could take Detroit in the first half. But over the course of the four quarters, it's 76% on Tampa Bay. Obviously, they're not going to blow them out because that's too high of a percentage. But it feels like New Orleans. It feels like maybe 13, 14-point win. So I'm going to go so far with the two better teams. I'm going to take New Orleans and Tampa Bay. Uh, I'll take Detroit then, John. I am bold. I am bold like you say, my friend. But right. Tampa Bay's defense really disappointed me last week, and Swift is just catching on fire for Detroit. He's finally doing the things that he needed to do, and I really believe that they're concentrating their efforts on putting him on the ground and, and letting his feet do the running, and then that opens up that pass game because Marvin Jones Jr. has had a couple of big games recently, so I, I could just see that happening again this week to cover that point spread. I'm always looking for that fourth quarter point spread. Look at this one. San Francisco, your San Francisco 49ers <laughs> have got Bethard now at quarterback. I don't know if Kittle's playing or not. I don't, I don't know that whole situation. I don't know why they would even play Kittle, but they're going against my 
Arizona, Kyler Murray read, led uh, Cardinals. And boy, that, that Kyler Murray has really healed himself up, John, so much so that now they are a five-point favorite against a San Francisco defense that's on the road. This point mm-hmm. total for the game is sitting at 48.5. Nothing's changed this week. Yeah, this game is screaming lock. The 49ers are lock, and I don't want to take them, right? Because I they, they've been disappointing with all the injuries. It's been hard for them to maintain. But, I mean, you want to talk about suckers better the week? It's <laughs> at five points, and it hasn't moved at all. So what they're saying is, wait a minute, the action's 79% on the Cardinals. That's a crazy number, first mm-hmm. of all, right? And they're not bringing the line up, Vegas. So what they're saying is, go ahead. Go ahead, clowns. Keep taking the Cardinals. Put ninety percent on the Cardinals. That's what they're. That's that's a bait. This is a, a classic bait and switch right here. They got the line in the water and they're pulling you in and they're bringing in a whole whale because they're going to make a lot of money on this game. So I don't even have to think twice. This is a lock. 49ers with the spread. Maybe maybe I can squeeze the Cardinals in there in the fit picks because I would like them to win it. I'd like to see Kyler get a chance in the playoffs. He was great for me in fantasy as well. I root for him just like you do. But, I mean, for the betting factors, 21% on the 49ers and the line hasn't moved. I mean, that's like free money. You got to take the 49ers. You better be careful about what you do on the fit picks because my ringer, Bobby, that I brought in here, Bobby is tied with you right now on the fit picks, John. And I, I look at that and I giggle just because I know you're – you probably look like that little gif right now whenever you see that with the with the guy who gets real mad and he, his head catches on red and, and the fire shoots out of the top of it. <laughs> it's not it's not that bad but it's it's that look of disgust that I had when I realized the Jets were going to win. It's it's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. Fa- it's like my mouth is like off to the side and my eyes are like dead and cold inside. That that's how I feel about that because what else can I do at this point? Every time I last week I never even went back to look, but when I saw a lot of the scores I'm like I think I won almost every game. So how am I not running away with this thing? You know what? I, I need to hire like an actuary and I'm going to, I'm going to hire, I'm going to hire a team of people. I'm going to hire an actuary an accountant and a financial advisor to come to your house and check these records because how you could I not it. be a runaway for first place? Something is, I need a recount. <laughs> you may want to, and you may need to, you should see me counting up these things. Cause it's, you know, it's five different people there and, and these people won this team lost this one. And so on the right hand side, this is what I do. I stick up my finger. I look, I look at the fit picks and I stick up my finger for every game that gets right. Right. And the one on the right hand is the team that won. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's how I do it. So right, right. And then the one, the teams that lost L goes on my left hand. See, so I, I do that, but I'll be honest with you, it, somewhere along the way, it, it can't get dizzy. I double check all my work. I try to double check all my work. I don't always put the right team on there. Like JB said, I picked the Raiders and, and then the Raiders lost or whatever it was. It was the opposite. And I'm like, are you sure about that, JB? Are you sure you picked them? <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, but I do double check the work. The numbers are right. Bobby has always been one of those guys. He is one of my stiffest competitions whenever it comes to fantasy football and sports and picking things and all that stuff. And, and he usually is right there at the top uh, of everything that gets done as far as fantasy or picking them or anything like that. So Bobby is definitely a ringer. You know what what I pictured while you were telling me about your system was you ever see the usual suspects the movie I know you're not no, a big movie guy. I, yeah no I haven't I haven't seen it it's on a list it's on a list somewhere it's on the list okay yeah. well there's a there's a board this is not giving anything away there's a detective involved and there's a board like a clipboard with all these clippings and different things on it and it's like to, you can't follow it there's things everywhere and then they spoofed it on Always Sunny. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. And it was like a board with all these arrows pointing all different ways, different colors, all these symbols that didn't make sense. That's what I picture when I picture you trying to count it up. It just looks like that board in my head. It's like scrambled eggs. 
It, well, yes, and some people would say that after I took apart that television, that's the reason why my brain is scrambled. Eggs. I'm going to uh, go with the sucker bet. I took the bait. I will take Arizona and the negative five just because C.J. Beathard is, is the quarterback there. And Arizona's defense is playing lights out. It's a, it's a playoff game for Arizona, essentially, because my Bears are right on their heels. And so they have to win out of here if they if they even want to come close to making the playoffs. And I think that that would light a fire underneath them. So I will take the Arizona Cardinals. The Miami Dolphins are traveling to the Las Vegas Raiders, John. This line's done your cross movement. It's crossed. Mm-hmm. It started out with Vegas being favored by two. And now Miami is favored by three. That's probably due to Tua Tagovailoa playing really well against the New England Patriots defense so they know that the las vegas raiders defense isn't nearly as good as the new england patriots this game total is sitting at 47 and a half john tell me what you think on this one this isn't a stone cold lock but it's pretty close again right it's only 25 percent on vegas now usually when it crosses over we like to go that way right that's mm-hmm. usually you're gonna win those i could tell you from my experience about 67 percent of the time you're gonna win two out of every three when it crosses over which is that's why you don't see that many Right. That tells you right there. There's very few games over the course of the season. We've probably seen total, what, 10 to 15, 10 to 15 games that crossed over. You think that's about right? That shows you why, because the smart betters are always going to take it that they're winning two out of every three. However, the problem with this one is even with the crossover, it's only 25 percent on on Vegas. And the thing with Vegas is we've learned this throughout the year. When they play a bad team, they play down. When they play a good team, they play up. So now they're playing Miami, who has been solid. That Whoever's playing quarterback with the coaching situation and, and their defense, it's been working out for them no matter who they play. So this would be considered very solid competition, which means it's time to take the Raiders because that's when they play up, especially after they laid an egg for a couple of weeks now. They have not looked good. Even when they win, they don't look sharp. They look messy right now. So I will, I will go with the Raiders at only 25%. Uh, pretty much similarly as confident as I was with the 49ers. Pretty close. Um, amazing what Tua's doing right now with no weapons around him, really. Everybody's hurt. Everybody's lined up beside him. He doesn't even recognize him. It doesn't look like. And, and egg all over my face and sincerest apologies to everybody. As I thought about Ryan Fitzpatrick getting benched and just thinking about how crazy it was, but Tua has just exceeded all my expectations in the pros. And maybe that's one of my, you know, being raised a Cubs fan, I've got to go in there with thinking really bad thoughts right so if Tua exceeds those expectations then that's really good but he's played lights out man uh my my hat's off to him yeah no he I mean uh, it's it's amazing that there were a couple of games that were a little touch and go and everybody was like oh I don't know about Tua and we were reading those articles about Miami saying well maybe we need to draft another quarterback and all this uh defiant type Mm -hmm. of stuff Right. I mean, the kid's been great. I I back him up 100 percent. Great kid. Great personality. Everybody loves him. He's got the team rallying behind him. He's almost become in a way right like a lefty Ryan Fitzpatrick. The way that he gets his not that he'll gamble on the throws. I'm just saying the way that he gets his teammates to rally and he gets the guys behind him. The personalities of those two guys are similar for a team that has that personnel around them. So it's, it's working out great. I'm happy for Miami. Look, I'm a Jets fan. But at the same time, it was bad for a while for Miami. Uh, they have some good guys in the organization there. As I told you before, I met Brian Flores in Fort Lauderdale by accident on the elevator. He was a nice guy. He was with a couple of guys from the coaching staff. So I root for them, even though they're a division rival. So I'm happy for two, and I'm happy for the Dolphins. I'll take the Raiders, and I will go with the over. That one's sitting at 47 and a half. I think both of these defenses uh, are going to be surprised by the offensive talent on the other side. So I will take the over in that one. The Chargers are at home, John, and they are favored by three points against the Denver Broncos. This point total has dropped two points, so it's sitting now at 49 
point total for the game. Uh, the, the Chargers look beat up. The Broncos just really don't look like they know what they're doing out there on the on the football field. So I I, I, I want to say that this one's going to be Chargers written all over it just because I don't have any confidence in uh, Denver. And I almost want to even say that that's a lock, if you will. Let me just say that. I don't know. Yeah, I, well, uh, no, I get I get the pun with Drew Locke. I mean, uh, conversely, anything involving him is certainly not a lock. The way he's awful. Yeah, I mean, he's just I told I told you that the first week he came back, though. I want to be clear about that. The first week he came back, I was like, oh, Denver's going to get better. Drew Locke came back from injury. I'm like, kidding me? The guy's awful. He's horrible. He's a, he'll be a fine backup. I mean, look, 32 teams in the league with the backups at 64 quarterbacks. He's probably in the top 64, but he's still terrible. That being said, it's 77% of the Chargers. But this goes back to what we always say is you got to vary the strategies, right? So this is great that these three games just by coincidence lined up in a row. 21% on the 49ers, I'm taking the 49ers. 25% on the Raiders, I'm taking the Raiders, okay? But I'm not just going to do that down the line just because just because that's a quote-unquote strategy. And we can't stress that enough. You can't go down that hole. If you want to be in the running with us in the fit picks and doing it with the spread, you got to vary those strategies. So I'm going to go with you, my friend. I'm going to flip it around here. Even though it's 77% of the Chargers, I'm going to go against Drew Locke, who's just awful. And you know what? If they And I got to tell you, if they had a good quarterback, they might and a real coach. This exact same Denver team could be like a nine and five team right now because mm-hmm. they've been in a lot of games. But the quarterback plays awful. The coaching is bad. But then you look around. You got Melvin Gordon looking like he went aged in reverse by three years. He looks quick this year. You got Judy and Patrick on the outside. You got a couple of good receivers there. You got Noah Fant, who's one of the best tight ends in the league. If and the defense has been competitive. I mean, look, not great, but competitive. If you had the right other pieces there and the key pieces are the head coach and the quarterback, they could have had a much better season. It's just that that's what's holding them back. I, I agree with you. And I'm going to take the under on this one. A lot of point totals have been going on the under and hitting the under. And I know this has already dropped two points this week, but I, I just can't see how Denver's going to score. And maybe I'm wrong because I know the Chargers defense isn't as good as it is. I, I just, I don't know, just as much as Melvin Gordon's going to get up for this game, I think there's going to be some Chargers that are going to get up for this game as well to kind of hand it to Melvin Gordon. That's just a theory. I, I'm not real confident on that, but I would take the under. Hey, the Cleveland Browns who, by the way, look like they are one of the best teams in football right now, uh, are favored by nine and a half points. This point total for the game has risen up to 47 and a half. It started out at 44 and a half. So this game total has gone up three points, John, and everybody is doubting your Jets. The money's coming in at 78% against Cleveland. Can the Jets have a winning streak this week? Uh They better not win this game, Wes. I mean, you gotta be, I mean, are you kidding me? I like the way he threw that at the end, a winning streak. I thought maybe you were talking about the spread, but you're talking about winning streak. If they win straight up, I mean, let, let's talk about it for a second. In, in all seriousness, let's talk about it since we're up to the Jets. Sure. What do you think they should do if they start winning games now? Because as you and I have said all year, something about the core group of these players, the effort levels off the charts good. They're, they really have a lot of effort and they had a lot of competitiveness against teams that are much better than them. What happens if you start winning games now with Darnold and you know, you're not going to get Trevor Lawrence next year. Do you go for a fields? If you have the second pick or the third or whatever it is, do you go for the third best quarterback in the draft or do you stick with Darnold or do you go and make a trade for like a Matt Ryan who the Atlanta has been dangling him out there? Do you make a trade for Carson Wentz? What's your, what do you see for the future of the jets at the quarterback position? 
Well, it, it kind of seems strange that everything changed after that last touchdown that they gave up. What was it against the Raiders at that last minute? And then Greg Williams gets fired. You know what I mean? And, and, and Greg Williams has always been a spectacular defensive coach. But we'll we'll say that he brings something shady into a locker room, right? And maybe there's just some of that ambiance that's gone now from them. So if they start winning, what I say you do is you stick with Sam Darnold. I do think that they need to make a coaching change, a head coaching change. But at the same time, maybe they did. Maybe it was maybe it was Williams that was the problem. I don't know. You're much more plugged into that. But I say you stick with what you have. You start building those things around a Sam Darnold. You franchise tag him. You do whatever you got to do to keep him in there another year and just see see where things progress if you really think that Greg Williams may have been the problem. Yeah, I mean, it's it's strange because I always liked the way our defense played more so than any defense other than Rex Ryan, right? So the figure, I've been watching clearly and lucidly since I was like four, right? So 30 years, I, I remember, specifically remember watching Dan Marino against the Jets very clearly at mm. like age four and five. So figure I've been watching the Jets for 30 years. Over those 30 years, I would say Greg Williams's defense played the second hardest behind Rex Ryan. And also, by the way, Rex Ryan's defense had legitimate superstars. You had Darrell Rivas. You had Cromartie, right? You had the two guys up front, Sheldon Richardson and Wilkerson, in their prime. Those guys were monsters just eating up offensive linemen. So he had better personnel as it is. So it's weird. The whole situation ended up strange that Greg Williams is the one that's gone. I mean, ultimately, Gaze will be gone as well. But then again, I mean, if there was a way for Gaze to be the head coach with an offensive coordinator who's an actual genius, not a fake genius like Adam Gaze, you know, I could see that working out if there was a way to do that. The only problem is he likes to call the plays, right? Yep. So he's out. If he likes to call the plays and he's going to do a poor job at it, he's done. He's toast. So we need a new head coach. Now, the thing with the quarterback, this is the trickiest part. I like that Darnold's going to be going into year four and he's still only 23, 24 years old. Right. So you got now you got three years of NFL experience. Yeah, we had some mono. We had some injuries. We missed some games. But you've seen a lot of different defenses, a lot of different coaches, a lot of different alignments. Now you're starting to get some information. So I like that. However, if Fields is the guy. So if we lose out and Fields is the guy, I'm also enticed by the fact that he has the running element. Just seeing what Jalen Hurts, who's not as good as Fields, according to all the scouts, just seeing what Jalen Hurts has been able to do for the Eagles since coming in just by running the ball. Right. I'm almost thinking maybe I'd rather have fields. How do you feel mm. between those two between Darnold and fields? Well, you got it. Like you said, this this whole offensive scheme in the NFL is transitioning and it, the, the running quarterbacks make things look so easy. Don't they? I mean, uh, when you see those stationary quarterbacks nowadays, you're like, wow. They look like they're from the fifties, you know, or they look, they look ancient. They look old. They don't, they can't get the job done anymore. It seems like because you watch those new flashes, the Randall Cunningham 2.0s, you know, those guys, they come out there and they make the game look so easy. And I think it opens up so many other things because when you watch the defense, not only do they have one set of eyes on the quarterback, but I think some defenses end up putting two sets of eyes on particular quarterbacks just to try and keep them in the pocket, around the edges, just to give them a little bit of trouble if they do try to run. And then all of a sudden, that opens up everything else. The huge running lanes for the for the people, uh, uh, huge passing lanes for everybody, and improvised plays. So I do like the running style of quarterback. And if, you know, if Fields is there, you got to take a chance on him, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm just not sure that that is the entire problem in New York. And, and you know, I, I understand what you're saying, and I get Darnold three, four years, and maybe he's one of those guys who's a Band-Aid 
to bringing Fields in to give Fields a little bit of time to adjust to the game like Jalen Hurts had. Yeah, the only problem is it's hard to pay two starting quarterbacks because that would make them both starting quarterbacks because Darnold would still be under a deal as a starter, basically, right? His second deal that it would be at that point. And then Mm -hmm. Fields, of course, when you draft a quarterback second, you got to pay him like a starter too, even though it's a rookie deal. So I don't think uh, they have the space, but I know they want to invest in other positions. So I think ultimately it would be a choice. It would be great to have both. And then just kind of see who emerges, but I don't think they'd actually be able to pull that off. But look, Flacco Flacco will be able to uh, groom Fields anyway. So what are we talking about? And it's going to be a mute point, a mute point anyway, John, because Cleveland's going to come in there and wipe the field with the Jets, I believe, on Sunday. I've already put Cleveland down on my piece of paper, and I put the over on there because I think the Cleveland Browns are going to be able to score forty-five points on Sunday. Nah, I can't. I can't do it. It's 22% on the Jets. I mean, uh, obviously, I'm going to take the Browns in the fit picks because I'm going to will them to victory. I don't care. I'm not. There's not going to be any Jets hanging around and winning this game on a field goal. It's not going to happen. But I, I got to take the Jets to lose by a touchdown, which would cover the spread for them because what they, what they're doing right now is, and and you didn't see last game probably start to finish, but I rewatched the entire thing twice to try to figure out what the heck is going on. I'm like, what? This is like Alice in Wonderland. I'm in another planet. I don't know. How did they win this game? My wife was watching the tape, dissecting the tape, going, how did we win? What is going on? Like, I, I just don't get it. So so we're watching it. We watched it two times. Um, that being okay. said, what they did was, it was very clear. The second Darnold drops back, they throw the ball to the running back. They did that about 40 times. So that, that, the whole the whole game plan was, you're not taking a hit. You're not turning the ball over. We're not fumbling. It's because the defense is playing too good right now. So that's the problem. I think that's the issue for Cleveland is if the Jets aren't going to turn it over, you're going to have a little back and forth game. Yeah, Cleveland's a better team. They're going to win it, but the Jets are going to cover the spread. Cincinnati's quarterback situation is undecided on our sportsinsight.com site here, John. And we have the Houston Texans, of course, with Deshaun Watson. This game total is at Houston Texans, or no, the, the, the point spread is Houston Texans at minus seven and a half. That's actually dropped a point and a half, even though Cincinnati is going to be to their backup backup. I think that that's what they've decided to do right now at this point. And this game total is stayed same. It's at 46, John. Just get me out of here with the Bengals. I got to look at these two games back to back. I got to look at the Jets who set me off the rails by beating the Rams. And then I got to look at the Bengals in the next game who knocked me out of the fantasy playoffs with Giovanni Bernard scoring two touchdowns against the Steelers defense and running the Steelers off the field and dominating on both sides of the ball. I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted with the Jets and I'm disgusted with the Bengals. And I got to talk about them back to back. And it's 61% on Cincinnati. Are you people kidding me? You think off of one game, now they're a good team. They're going to go back to stinking. I don't even care if they are. I don't even care if they are good. I'm not taking them. I'm pissed off about last week. I'm taking the Texans. (laughs) I'm taking the Texans too. I'll take the over because neither team likes to play defense. And this game total is only at 46. So I just, I can't see how that, uh, neither team plays defense. And I know what the Cincinnati Bengals did last week. Both, Both the Cincinnati Bengals and the New York Jets are in great letdown situations because they both won the Super Bowl last week. I mean, just uh, to me, in both uh, both of my opinion, they both won the Super Bowl last week. But I don't, I'm curious about this next game because the Indianapolis Colts, who are a good team, are favored by one and a half points on the road at Pittsburgh. And this this is this is crossed because it started out Pittsburgh being favored by three. I think that loss made the Colts get favored by one and a half. And this game total has dropped from forty six to forty four and a half. John, this is the most hilarious line that I've seen today. 
Yeah, this is one of the funniest ones of the year. I mean, I, I'm in a bad spot here because it's the second time I'm going to have to go against the crossover. I have to go against it because there's an old saying in sports betting. When you get a home dog, right? They're a home underdog. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's only a point and a half. But when you get a home dog, that's considered a good team. I would say I think at this point we don't even think Pittsburgh is a great team. They're a good, they're a good solid team. You got to take those chances when you get a home dog. So, you know, they're right now they're one and a half point underdogs. They're coming off an ugly game, so it's very easy for people to take Indianapolis, which they are because it's 67% on Indianapolis. So yeah. I gotta, I have to go with the opposites. Look, man, the opposites are the way to go from the week before, right? Everybody, I hope people made it this far into the show this week, but I've been preaching it forever, and I know, and I've been getting thank yous from people, teaching them how to not go with what you saw last week. You got to get off that. Perfect example, right? Like I said about the Jets, they lost 40 to three to Seattle. They look like they never even played football. The next week they come back and they beat the Rams straight up with the same players. So you can't you can't buy into what you saw last week. So Pittsburgh looked like they were awful against the Bengals. You can't buy in. You got you just got to go with the home dog here. I'm gonna take the Steelers. Yeah, I, I put down Pittsburgh the second I saw it because of that same thing. You you always go with the home dog, especially when the team is supposed to be good. And I look, I, Pittsburgh's not. Pittsburgh's not good. Pittsburgh's getting run out of the playoffs as quickly as they get in there because mm -hmm. they cannot run the football. That's the reason why they pass the football so much. They cannot run the football, and yeah. they're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Indianapolis won this game, but you're right. You always have to go with the home dog, especially in a situation like this. Uh, my, my Bears. My Bears are trying. They're trying to get there. My guy Mac even said, man, we gave away those six games. We gave away those six games. Time is running out. That's what he said this week. They're going to Jacksonville, John. And Jacksonville, you talk about a team that's that's really been accomplishing what they set out to do, and that is to get the first draft pick of the year uh, or next year in the in the draft. And they, they've been doing that all year long. Listen, this line has gone from the Bears being favored by three and a half to now the Bears are favored by seven and a half, John. Woo, seven woo, and a half. And this is, one of those, <laughs> this is one of those uh, buy pick ones like you always, that you always like to talk about yeah. on the Sports Insight. So what does Sports Insight know that, that Vegas doesn't? Yeah, I mean, I got to assume that they're going to – a four-point movement is so rare that it would open at three and a half and go to seven and a half. I have to assume they're selling you the pick of the Bears, even though it's 33% on Jacksonville. That, that's my – because that's a – how many games have we seen this year that have yeah. gone up four points? The only time it happened was when we got a COVID quarterback out, right? If it was a starting quarterback and, they, and it was a pivot to a guy who's a piece of trash, then the line would go crazy. But there's no changes here. It's the same two quarterbacks. It's Trubisky and Minshew, and yet the line goes up four points. So I got to think they're selling you Chicago. Now let me back up a second here to what you said about Mac. Do you think that that was a double entendre? Do you think that Mac was saying we threw those games away because we were playing Foles and we weren't playing Trubisky? You think there's any chance that that was the message? It, it very well could be. And I, I told you that all my feelings, you know, from the things that I read, things that I saw, was that that defense was going to lay down. You know, just and they were going to lose those games on purpose to try and get him out of there, and and uh, th it didn't happen. And now Mitch is their quarterback, and I think I even said this at the beginning of the year that that team loved Mitch Trubisky, and they rallied around him, and it kind of, it maybe have even shown how they made comebacks in the second halves and different things like that early on in the season. Um, the, maybe it was a double entendre. You know, I'm not real good at those things, and <laughs> my mind will start going because now you're talking about conspiracy theories, and and all of a sudden I'm on the election again in my brain, John. So I can't I can't say yes or no, but I know that they want to win this game. I 
I know Jacksonville cannot put up any kind of fight whatsoever, it doesn't seem like, and the door is wide open for Jacksonville to accomplish what they set out to do. So I'm going to take the Mitch Trubisky-led Chicago Bears, the Allen Robinson revenge game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I will take those 7.5 points, and I will say that it could be 12, and I would still take the Bears. Yeah, I'm taking the Bears too, but talk me through it like the way we did with the Jets. Talk me through what's going to happen now. Right. Set the culture for me with the Bears because we're getting toward the end of the year now. So we need yeah. to pick stock uh, head coach, general manager, quarterback. What what are you reading? What are your what's your opinion? Where does Chicago go going forward? It A, a big thing is going to end up happening next week. The Bears play the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. And and now if I mean they could they I don't know if the, how it's going to end up happening if they could get eliminated this week if the Arizona Cardinals win and you know the Bears could be eliminated from the playoffs. I've always I've told you that if the Bears lose to the Packers, that's the thing where the McCaskies, the team owners, all of a sudden are like there's one thing. I want you to do one thing and that's to beat the Packers, right? Cuz that's a long time tradition uh, to try and fight them and everything like that. So when when that if that happens if they lose against the Packers, I think you're going to have everybody escorted out. Of course, if they make the playoffs, I think everybody's going to end up staying right there where they are, which is going to be terrible. A- another 500 team that's just caught in mediocrity is what they're they're caught in, and you can't get your feet out of those quicksands. So I think that what's going to end up happening, Mitch Trubisky's stock is so low that they might be able to keep him around for another year. They might just stay right where they are, John. I, I really thought they were going to clean house, but now I think they're going to end up staying right where they are again next year and just staying right there. That's that's my that's my feelings. I don't know. I just don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, if they could, I don't know if they could do it with the coach unless I know. obviously obviously of course if they run the table that's a different story. But you know I'm looking right now. I'm just looking at Mitch's game log right because th- when I watch him play. I feel good about him. I told you how I feel. If he doesn't take shots down the field, then he's really good because his intermediate throws got a lot of zip on him. Uh, he has some different deliveries that he uses. He likes to mix it up. His, they would say his mechanics are not traditional, right, which in, in some ways can be difficult. But for him, I think he makes it work. Darnold is the same way when he's on, right? Both of these guys, you, you tell the story. When they're on, they look like this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, Trubis- but Trubisky – if he takes away those turnovers down the field, then he says, forget it. I'm not Nick Foles. That, that's the throw that Nick Foles can make. Nick Foles can make that stretch throw and drop it right on the dime. Puts a little nice air under it and it gets there. Trubisky, you take that out of your game. You do what you do best. Do, make those 20-yard throws on the run uh, and put a little zip on that thing. Um, and he does some good things. But I, I'm just like, you know, I'm just I'm wondering if you bring in a new head coach and then you decide to let Mitch do his thing one more time with the new head coach, if that can work. And how does that factor into pace the GM? You know what I mean? Hey, what about the GM? Is he, is he done or has he got another year? I look, it, it's, it goes back to the McCaskies go back to the owner. And honestly, I think that they look at pace like being the grandson you know what I mean? Because he's just so young. He's so youthful. And they brought him in from New Orleans with that. And they're just really hoping that he's a, he's a, um, a, 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 he's a Sean Payton prodigy. Right. And they're, they're hoping it comes along. But the guy has really disappointed me over the years. Anybody could go out and get Allen Robinson, right? I mean, anybody could do that. I could do that. You could do that. Anybody mm-hmm. could go out and make a trade for Mark, Mac and, and bring him in there and be like, hey, there you go. It, it, but it's the draft picks, man, that get me all confused and wonder why in the world he does some things on draft day. He looks really lost. But but I'm telling you, the McCaskies are loyal to a fault. And they it, it may I say loyal. Maybe they just don't like to admit where they're wrong. 
All right. Yeah. yeah. And, and and that's where I think that that's why I could see everything staying exactly the way it is. And the players will have to take it in their own control to be able to get people out of there or leave themselves. And that's going to be a big thing, too, because Allen Robinson is going to be gone after this year. And you said a key word there. Nick Foles drops it in there. That's mm-hmm. one of the things that Mitch Trubisky has going for him is Nick Foles is his competition. And Nick Foles really looked like he could not get the job done when given that opportunity for a long extended period of time. There's no comparison between the two of them right now. There's, it's, not, it's not even close at this point. Trubisky has blown him, blown him out of the water because Foles can't escape the rush. So if, you, if you're going to stand in the pocket and take a beating, you better be delivering that ball on time, which you know, hats off to Nicky he did when he was on the Eagles. I mean, every ball he delivered under pressure was right there. But you get older. Right, you take a few more hits. You play in a different system with a head coach that you argue with all the time, and you know that's it. He's done. He's toast. So Trubisky. Now I'm just going to go through the last three games. 97.7 quarterback rating uh, this past week. 126.7. Mm. 108.3. I mean, if you average that, it's about 110. That's math in my head. Over the last three games, I mean, it's a it's a gift and a curse because you're ending the year and it's fresh yep. in your mind. And you're like, oh, I got to I gotta ride him out because it's fresh in my mind. But at the same time, he's the same guy that's frustrated them in the past. So it's really interesting. These are, these are really interesting topics, both teams. It's just a coincidence that they happen to be our teams. I think other people in other states that love the NFL are going to be wondering, what are the Jets and the Bears going to do? Well, who, are you, who are you picking this week? I took the Bears. Absolutely. I'm with you all the way, 100%. Uh, Jacksonville's not trying. Right? There's a difference. That's the key between Jacksonville and the Jets. The Jets, even when they throw a game, they throw it in the last play like they did against the Raiders. That was another win we had in the bag. There was another game against Buffalo. We were winning the first yep. half, and we just came off the gas. Jacksonville's not like that. Jacksonville goes down by a touchdown. They say, all right, we quit. You could just beat us by six touchdowns. Oh. No, Jacksonville is trying. They're trying to lose. So that's, yeah. that's the one difference they are. They yeah, do have right. effort there. Hey, the next game involves my coach of the year who I personally think deserves to be coach of the year. His nickname was Chico back in Chicago. I don't know if that's politically correct anymore or not. But Ron Rivera, man, uh, that guy has done it. And I don't care what they did last week. I don't, I don't even care. The, the, the team that he transitioned into here was just a mess. It was a train wreck. He had the worldwide open to him, too. The offseason stuff that happened there for the Washington football team, changing your team name, the ownership going, making headlines all across the nation, be on the ESPN, then having sickness, having cancer, all those things. This guy has rallied this team around whatever it is, and he's made the Washington football team into winners, John. And those guys are favored by one point this week, and the game total has dropped down to 42 and a half from 44. I know they don't have a quarterback right now. I think that um, maybe the starting quarterback was stripped of his duties and Alex Smith is going to be back in there again. Uh, do you agree with me on that? Uh, I mean, if, if he's healthy enough to go, the problem with Alex Smith is even if he's at 75%, you start thinking, is it worth it with his history to do that to him? Can we win this game by doing a lot of play action and short passes? Can we win this game the way the Jets just beat the Rams, which is every pass is five yards or less? Don't even bother looking down the field. Just keep the clock moving. So they're going to consider that, right? They're going to sit behind closed doors and say, how else can we win if we decide not to force Alex Smith to play? So that's that's still up in the air, right? Um, let me back up a second. I appreciate your rah-rah sense. Uh, Ron Rivera, a stronger person than we, we could be, right, under his circumstance. So we give him all the credit in the world for what he's done. But, I mean – when are we going to start giving guys credit for being dominant? 
Like, are we not going to give Andy Reid the coach of the year when the Chiefs are 13-1 and one just because Andy Reid's a Hall of Famer? Is that why he doesn't win coach of the year? And I'm not, I'm not taking this at you. That's a general no. thing that would be happened. But how about the NBA? How many years was LeBron James the best player in the league, yet he didn't win because he didn't win MVP because he wasn't the story of the season, right? So it, I, I just think it's ridiculous. 13-1 and one with the Chiefs, the way they innovate and the way that they also have had injuries and nobody even talks about it. Sammy Watkins, you know, they, they got limited down to a couple of guys here and there. They just keep doing what they do and they keep winning. And everyone says, oh, they're the Chiefs, so no big deal. I mean, I think it's ridiculous that the coach doesn't get credit for that. I can understand what you're saying, and and I, I hear you clucking chicken on that one. But, man, I see so many different eggs that Ron Rivera has pulled the team through, and I, I just see the results. I see the results, and I see Andy Reid's results as well. He makes it look too easy. Like you said, LeBron James, that's the first thing I, th- well, I thought of Michael Jordan first. And how every well, once in a while. Them, yeah, but it was different because the league was, was – I love Michael Jordan way more than LeBron. Let me be clear before I say this on the record. But the league was biased toward Michael. It was like we need all the marketing, everything to be toward Michael. He needs – if there's any doubt at all, he's got to win the MVP. Now it's different. It's like we need to have a new story each year so we can build the brand of these other players like Stephen Curry. Okay, let's make him an MVP, right? Now it's a Durant year. You know, they can mix guys. It's a James Harden year. It's a Giannis year. They build up the stock of all these guys. They're smart. It's all, you know, I know there's voting involved, but you know that the way that they steer the narratives and the news and all this stuff. The NBA is very manipulative and very smart and really always really good in marketing. Uh, so it's a little bit different. Michael won it like six times. LeBron hasn't won it a lot of times when he should have won it. Oh, LeBron James could have won it every single year. In Kansas City, uh, Andy Reid could win it every single year as well. But when somebody does excel, like I think Ron Rivera did, I, I'm going to hand it to him on a silver platter. That's just me. Uh, yeah. So what do you think about this game, though? Carolina, all the way. Carolina, all the way. Uh, it's with the undecided situation at quarterback for Washington. Not, it's not so much an issue of that, the fact that it's undecided right this second. It's more about what it does to the team after they've had so many switches now. Right, so we had we had Haskins to start. Then we go to Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen goes down. We go to Smith. Then everybody gets hurt. We go back to Haskins. Now we got Alex Smith up in the air. There's too much going on. There's too much fluctuation for the skilled players to get into their sets and get into their rhythm. And let me throw this on top. And the main reason why I'm taking Carolina, uh, McLaurin missed practice again today. So if you oh. add the undecided quarterback plus your best player is possibly not playing. And you know you got Carolina who's feisty. We just know that's that's their way. They're just a feisty team. They've taken on the personality of their head coach, Matt Rule. Uh, they have a good young offensive coordinator in Joe Brady. So if you add all those factors, it makes me uncomfortable with Washington. I got to go with Carolina. Yeah, I, I had wrote Carolina down whenever I was talking about Ron Rivera a little bit just because of the offensive firepower that Teddy Bridgewater uh, brings to that team. And, and those, that, that team does have a lot of offensive weapons, a lot of skill position. They're, they're in a good place right now going forward. The New York Giants undecided at quarterback again for them as well, going against the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens are at home, and they are favored by 10 points. John, this game total has dropped from 45 to 44, and it started out as Baltimore being favored by 11 earlier in the week, but it's down to 10 now. Baltimore's going to run all over these guys, ain't they? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we got a chance to talk about it on the show. I don't recall, Um, but Lamar Jackson, right, the big moment, when he had his Willis Reed moment, right? He went off the field. He was cramping up oh, after yeah. COVID, and he had a bad case. Right? Let's be clear. He didn't have this COVID with no symptoms. He was in bed for 12 days straight. So he had a very bad case. He comes back. He has a great game. Then he starts cramping up, right? Definitely related to side effects and all that, uh, lack of hydration. Okay. Comes back out. 
on the first play on a fourth and five, which, by the way, to begin with, the Ravens could have kicked a field goal to tie the game with Justin Tucker. It was about 58, 59 yards. This is the best kicker in the history of the NFL. He easily could have made that. Later in the game, he kicked one that was almost the same right down the middle with no problem. So you bring him in in that situation where it's iffy to begin with even to throw the ball in that spot. Maybe you just kick a field goal. And not only does he come in after the injury and throw the ball, he throws a touchdown, dramatic 40-yard touchdown to Hollywood Brown, who had dropped three balls earlier in the game. So you add all that together, and what you have is the moment where Lamar Jackson says, you know what, I can write off the first year in the playoffs because I was a rookie and I wasn't ready yet. I can write off last year in Tennessee being a very hot team, a very smart team that outcoached us and outplayed us. That happens from time to time in a one-game scenario. Now I can write that off because I had this big moment in the sun with everybody watching, and I showed that I could do it. I could close the game in a big game in a division rivalry or whatever it was at the time, uh, and I think that's why Baltimore is going to go off and run, which is what I thought then. I think they're just going to keep running, running, running. If they don't run into the Chiefs in the bracket early on, they're going to be the second best team in the AFC the rest of the way out. Well, you, I, earlier in the year, I said that they were going to be the team with only one loss uh, yeah. at the beginning of the year because they were just so talented. And Lamar Jackson dominated the game like that so much. Uh, and I really feel sorry for the Giants, uh, just injury depleted team. Now there's nothing they can do. I, I don't know that they have any fight left in them. So I will take the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, plus, and I'll, I'll, I'll think they'll cover the 10 points pretty easily. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll take the Ravens to win this by about um, almost three touchdowns. I'm going to go 17. I'll go 17 points. Okay. The Kansas City Chiefs are at home against the Atlanta Falcons, John. That sounds like a recipe for disaster for the Atlanta Falcons. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, this game total, though, has stayed the same. It's at 54 points. The Chiefs, though, they started out at 12 and a half earlier this week, and now it's at 10 and a half? Why would why would Vegas even drop that? It seems like they need to be raising it. The 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 line or everybody's betting the equal right now. Forty nine percent on the Falcons and fifty one percent on the Chiefs. You know, you can make an argument that every game, when you look at the percentages that involves the Falcons, should be fifty fifty because that's the nature of who they are. Right? They're Two Face. They're Tommy Lee Jones in Batman Forever playing Two Face. They're Aaron Eckhart in Batman uh, Begins and all those playing Two-Face, the same character, you just don't know. You have not, How many years is this going to go on for? Earlier in the year, this year, we thought we had a little something going. We said, okay, Atlanta covered the spread three games in a row. Maybe they're coming around now. Now it's like every week you open up the newspaper and it's a different story. I mean, not that kids nowadays know what a newspaper is, but you open up the newspaper, it's a different story. This team does not make any sense. So I think it makes sense that every game should be 50-50 because okay. there's those people that are going to be sold that particular week that this is what they're going to say in this game. They're going to say Atlanta against Kansas City. That's a trap. Kansas City is the best team in the league. They're going to take it easy. They're going to win, but they're going to take it easy against Atlanta, and they'll, they'll get there at the end. That's what some people are going to say. Other people are going to say what Wes is thinking right now, which is Atlanta, yeah, they go up and down, but guess what? At the end of the day, they still stink, and they're playing against the best team. So that's why it makes sense that it's 50-50. I, I, gotta, I don't know. I'm going to go with Atlanta because this seems like a game where they would cover because they're annoying. That's my reason. They're annoying, and they do things that don't make any sense, and I'm going to take Atlanta to cover the spread. I'll read the line here on this, and I think I'm reading the line properly when the game total stays the same at 54 points, but yet the Chiefs get uh, dropped down by only being favored by 10.5 instead of 12.5. I'll take the Chiefs just because Vegas hasn't changed that point total at all, but yet the line dropped a couple. So I'll, I'll just take the Chiefs on that one. Hey, 
Will the Los Angeles Rams this week, when they travel, travel to Seattle, be able to get back on the winning track after losing to the New York Jets last week, John? Right now, the Seattle Seahawks are favored by one and a half points, and this game total is at 47 and a half. Have you ever seen a more convenient storyline and a way to figure out how to win in betting than this? Let's look, What do you think Joe Schmo better is going to say when they see those two teams mm-hmm. After what happened the last two weeks, right? Anybody who's just an average fan following the scores and following their Twitter feed, they're going to say, wait a minute, Los Angeles Rams, didn't they just lose to the Jets? Uh, wait a minute, didn't Seattle just beat the Jets 40-3 to the week before that? So Joe Schmo is going to, by the time we get to the kickoff, it's it's 57 right now, so so far it's already true that they're taking Seattle, but by the time we get to the kickoff, it'll be about 65 they're going to say, well, yeah, I got to take Seattle because look at that comparison I just made. So there's no doubt in my mind I'm going to take the Rams after they stunk up the joint. Uh, they're going to get a stern talking to from Sean McVay. So I don't have to think too hard on this one. I'm taking the Rams to cover the spread, win the game straight up by about close to seven, maybe four, five, six points. Yeah, the Rams right now, uh, I, I agree with you. They're going to be angry. They're going to want to come out and set a tone. And maybe the reason why they lost against the Jets is because they were looking forward to playing the Seattle Seahawks this week a little bit more. And earlier on in the year, the Rams really made that high-powered Seattle offense, which, by the way, hasn't been that high-powered if you take away the Jets game. It, it, they just haven't impressed me. They haven't been able to get the ball moving. Uh, they, they just haven't been able to do that. And the Rams earlier in the year, though, when the Seahawks were clicking on all cylinders, it really made them look like they had a spark plug loose or something because the Rams just, just kind of stopped them right there cold in their tracks. And I think that that's going to end up happening this week as well. I think the Rams have the Seattle Seahawks number. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting what you said about Seattle's offense because Metcalf is a really interesting case, right? You have this physical specimen who is probably the most impressive physical player in the league, at least on the offensive side of the ball, right? He's got that Terrell Owens even more, even stronger, more powerful, more athletic. Uh, He's like a Terrell Owens meets Calvin Johnson in terms of his his Mm. mechanics and his size, right? But then again, I watched probably 80% of Seattle's games in their entirety because they've had a lot of games on national TV. So I've seen a lot of Seattle football. There are entire halves where you don't even hear DK Metcalf's name, which makes no sense when he's had such a monster fantasy season, right? So I think you're right. There's some weird inconsistency going on with Seattle's offense. It might be the way that other teams prepare for them, and they go with the old Belichick strategy, which is let's let's double-team DK, and then we'll keep another guy, an eye on Lockett, and then we'll say forget about everybody else. Leave everybody else wide open, the David Moores of the world, and whoever the heck is rotating it at tight end. They got four tight ends they use on that team, right? So there is, there is something strange about the way that it's kind of been ebb and flow with Seattle. But listen, I am going to take a quick call. Keep rolling. Uh, take okay. us through as we go into the next game. Give us a little bit of background into Jalen Hurts. What you see going forward with Philadelphia. Is he the guy for next year? Uh, and what do you think about this game against Dallas? And I'll be back in a minute. Not only will I do that, John, but I'll remind everybody that they can find you, John Frisella, over on Twitter at LegendSports7 on Twitter. You can also find the John Frisella blog where you can see all kinds of lists that he does each and every week. And don't forget to follow me as well at LoafingIt on Twitter. And the show is found over at FI Today with a little underscore. You can also head over to Anchor FM and however you like to listen to a show uh, or subscribe to a podcast. You can find it right there on Anchor FM, all the different uh, avenues for listening to podcasts are right there. If it happens to be on the iTunes app, I will always encourage you to slap the stars around for us, leave a comment, leave a review. We always love to hear from you. Uh, but more importantly than that, Fit Fam, we just really want to thank you for not only tuning in each week, 
but also sharing the program, which is something that you have done uh, consistently. And we just really appreciate that. Thank you so much for helping us grow, making us feel wanted and needed. I guess that always feels good whenever you devote your time into putting into a podcast. Now, John wanted me to talk about Jalen Hurts, and I've watched Jalen Hurts ever since he was a, a freshman in college football over with Alabama. He is doing spectacularly in the NFL. I wasn't sure if I was he was going to be able to transition over to the NFL's game just because he wasn't throwing the ball that well in college. And yes, he had a great completion percentage, but man, college college sports are just different. There's such a talent level a drop off between those superstars and the intermediate players and then the really poor players. And if you've got a good coaching staff in college, you can really exploit the poor players. And I thought that that's really what Jalen Hurts was a product of, was a good coaching staff being able to exploit the poor players on the opposite side of the field. But when he has come into the NFL and what he has done by keeping plays alive, by changing the culture, it feels like, in Philadelphia and making for some really good opportunities for that team to win, uh, I, I thought that they were going to be able to pull it off last week against Arizona. They came up a little bit short, but they were right there in the hunt. And the biggest thing is, the negative game plays that Jalen Hurts is able to avoid where Carson Wentz couldn't avoid those because of Jalen Hurts' legs. And he's just opening up a whole new field for them. Jalen Hurts is the quarterback going forward. I think they can move on from Carson Wentz with confidence and try to bring in somebody else who might be able to replicate what Jalen Hurts does on the field. John, I kind of hear you stumbling around back there. I think you're back with me. This game total has dropped from 40 or it's actually gone up from 48 points to 49 and a half points and it started out as a pick 'em like there wasn't a point spread at all and now Philadelphia is sitting at minus two and a half so they're favored by two and a half points I want to give Dallas some credit for bouncing back this year and actually putting up a fight and this game is a playoff decider because if we are right in thinking that Washington is going to lose this week against Carolina then either one of these two teams can be right there. The Giants are going to lose as well against Baltimore. So and we might actually be looking at a Philadelphia or Dallas uh, winner of the NFC East, which is just crazy to think about when both of them were down there at the bottom for some period of time. Isn't that funny how it always seems to get to the situation every single year, no matter who the coach is, who the quarterback is, what's going on in the division. At the end of the year, by the last week, what happens is Dallas looks like a better team on paper than Philadelphia, Right. Philadelphia at some point had stumbled during the season and you start to doubt them. The same storylines come back. Then everybody meets up in week 17 and we get to the scenario where it's like, okay, either Philadelphia is playing Dallas and Philadelphia is controlling their own fate or they're both playing different teams, right? Or Dallas is playing a bad team and all they got to do is beat them to get in and then they don't do it. And Philadelphia is playing a good team that they're not expected to beat and then they beat them. Right. Every year we run into that scenario with these two teams. So what does that tell you? I mean, this just feels like Dallas is giving their fans false hope. Right. Here we are again. We still got a chance every year. They're in the same spot. We got a chance. We can do this. It's not going to happen because Philadelphia, no matter who their quarterback is, somehow they find a way to get it done at the end of the year when they need to. Even if they've gone through a stretch where it looks like they don't even know what football is like maybe they're playing badminton out there. So I'm I'm taking I'm taking the Eagles because the Cowboys always disappoint in this spot right here in the spotlight. Uh, and and you mix that in with Andy Dalton being their quarterback. That's kind of exactly. a, a double doozy right there, isn't it? Exactly. Not only that, but but Philadelphia's offensive power right now. I know their defense is banged up, and that's the one thing that I sit there and think about is okay, their their defense is so banged up. 
But, man, I just have so much confidence against Jalen Hurts and that really bad defense that Dallas has had over the years. And, look, they got a whole playbook in Philadelphia for the Dallas Cowboys. So I'm not even worried about that coaching staff going in there and being able to uh, uh, exploit the weaknesses of the Cowboys defense. Yeah, two two items there quickly is, you know, again, about varying the strategies. Uh, Yes, we've had some where we've gone with only 20% on them. This is 73% on Philadelphia. I'm going with it. I, I mean, it's, you know, you can't just look at the numbers and say I'm doing it because it's it's the opposite of what the public's doing. It's not a good way to win. So back to that on this game, we'll, we'll go with Philly. And then on the fantasy side, how about Tony Pollard? Huh? Tony Pollard coming in. We've said this for years now, it seems like. Whenever the guy gets the ball, he just kind of jumps at you. He jumps off the screen and you say, whoa, 32 teams, this guy can't get a starting job somewhere? I'll take him on a Jets and be my franchise player in two minutes. So, you know, if he if he's the starter again, if Zeke is out, uh, you got to run wild with Tony Pollard. He looks like a monster. He would be the guy out of all the Dallas guys to shine in this game. The two teams that confuse me the most probably in the NFL right now, the Tennessee Titans against the Green Bay Packers. Tennessee's got to go up to Green Bay, play them on a Sunday night. This point total is sitting at 55 and a half for the entire game, and the line has dropped only favoring Green Bay by three and a half points. It started out at four and a half, John. I, we, we say this about Green Bay all the time. We don't, I, I, I don't know what, to, well, I say it. I don't know what to think about Green Bay. And then we always say the Titans, they're going to cover at the back row. And, and I can't figure out the Titans either, John. Help me, help me, please. Yeah, guess what? It's even more confusing because you have one of those classic situations here in betting, which is the two competing factors, right? So the competing factors are, the line dropped from four and a half to three and a half. So what that tells you in betting logic is the Titans are looking like a good play because that means the four and a half line was too high and Tennessee is going to be very much in this game to the point that maybe they might even win it straight up, even though it's a road game against the Packers. So that's factor number one. But factor number two is it's only 36% on the Packers, right? So now you have the two competing against each other. So you have these two teams that for you have been very confusing as it is very up and down as far as the spread goes and how you handle that. And now you got these two factors going against each other. So it's tough for me being that I do think in the grand scheme, these teams are pretty similar. I got to take the points, right? I, I have to take Tennessee because I do think there's an outside chance they can win the game straight up. So would it surprise me if the Packers took care of business? No, but getting the points and thinking maybe Tennessee could lose by a field goal or maybe they could win by a field goal. I got to go with Tennessee under those circumstances. I got to take the hammer and Derrick Henry as well uh, against that Green Bay Packer rush defense that has just been pitiful all year long, and I think it's going to continue to be pitiful. If if Derrick Henry doesn't have 300 yards and four touchdowns by the end of this game, I will be shocked. By the way, by the way, you always say we bring up that storyline with Tennessee, but that's just because we know what we're talking about. How many games actually did end that way? They ended with they had the overtime game that ended with Derrick Henry running all over the other team and winning it himself. They had multiple other games where they were ahead and they expanded the lead by Derrick Henry pounding people into the ground over the course of the game. So, yeah, we've repeated that storyline, but it's also played out in more than half the games. So it's just the reality of the situation. I'll take the under, too, because I do think this game's going to be slowed down. And by the way, I, uh, Robert Tonian was a Pro Bowl victim, right? He didn't get voted into mm. the Pro Bowl. I could Brutal. see I could see Tonian and Aaron Rodgers uh, kind of hooking up two or three times just to prove a point. Because Aaron Rodgers is a little bit of a vengeful, vengeful man, I will say. Yes, you know, he absolutely is. That's a good quality to have, to be honest, for an athlete. Yeah. It, it is, because you need a chip on your shoulder. And, and the great example this week is the Rams, right? Everybody to a T 
all the players, all the coaches, and the announcers, they all said the Rams look like they're asleep. Even after the game, they said they had no energy, right? So they didn't have a chip. They didn't have a reason to arrive at that game and play. So to have an Aaron Rodgers who's, who's established so much at this point, one of the greatest athletes of all time, not just quarterbacks, right? Uh, to have still something to play for, a chip, if you watch The Last Dance, the documentary about the Chicago Bulls, that was what Michael Jordan's mental trick was. His trick was, who's the guy on the other team that annoys me for whatever reason? Is it, in some cases, Spike Lee, who was a fan for the Knicks, right? He wasn't even on the court. He was a fan. Spike Lee pissed me off. I'm going to beat the Knicks, okay? Is it a coach? Is it a player? Is it a general manager? Is it a reporter? Is it anybody on that sideline? Is it the owner that's made a comment about me that I don't like? I'm going to find that person, and I'm going to take it out on them. And uh, that's what Rodgers can do for you. So, yeah, you're right about that. I could see Tanya uh, getting spiteful, two spiteful touchdowns. And, and Michael Jordan would even look at his own teammates and try to find hate somewhere. <laughs> Just to, to, right, this, this, one, this one's crazy. Buffalo at New England. All the bets are coming in. 83% of the people are betting on Buffalo. They started out at four and a half earlier this week, John. It's gone up to seven. The Buffalo Bills being favored by seven points. The game total has gone up to 46 points, started out at 44. And this is a buy pick. So obviously, uh, Sports Insights think they know what's going on in this game. I think I know what's going on in this game. I think Buffalo's going to destroy the New England Patriots and take it to Bill Belichick, who is now Tom Brady-less and really looking like it, by the way, John, as a conversation we had earlier in this year. Am I wrong in thinking this? Yeah, this time you're wrong because the buy pick, it's 83% on the Bills, right? So what this is is a line reset, right? It's like four and a half was too close to what's actually going to happen in this game to the point where Vegas is not going to make the money that they want to make off the Patriots covering the spread, right? Because there is a chance that the Bills are going to win this by five. That So it was a line reset. They opened it four and a half and said, whoa, whoa wait a minute. We want everybody to take the bills, but if we want to cover our butts and make sure that we actually win on Vegas' side, they need to get up to seven, right? They, so it, it, maybe they lose it by seven and they only push. So if it's 83% on the bills, which it is right now, and even though Vegas obviously thinks the Patriots are going to cover, if it doesn't go their way because they know they still don't control the future and it ends up on seven, they're not going to lose that 83% of the bets. So this is a line reset. But the right play is 17% on the Patriots in A, a division battle, right? B, the last time they played each other, it came down to the wire, and Cam Newton fumbled. If he didn't fumble, they might have won the game straight up, New England. C, the secondary is healthy for the Patriots. That throws everything out. That, that disrupts every team. It doesn't matter who it is when they have all four of their guys in the secondary. So for those reasons, I'm going to take the Patriots. But I want to make a side comment. Josh Allen last week, who basically beat me, that other than the fact that Giovanni Bernard scored two touchdowns on Monday Night Football, Josh Allen scored 37 points in fantasy. That throw he made, that third touchdown, when they showed you what he saw first from behind the line, right, which was a window. There was a window there. It wasn't, it wasn't like there was nobody open. There was a very small window. But then when you saw it from the backside, how fast he had to throw the ball, 25 yards, to get it into the end zone, to stick in the guy's hands. And it was Kumaro, right? Kumaro, who formerly of the Packers. That was the best throw I've seen all year. That was Aaron Rodgers in his prime, that throw. That's how good that throw is. So Josh Allen is going to a new level at this point. 
Well, yeah, and, and he definitely has improved, which is a really good sign because Josh Allen, uh, of course, was, was a poor thrower last year, but he has worked on that. He has come through. He has taken it to a completely different level. I hope Lamar Jackson can do the same so we can see some really big things out of Lamar Jackson as well. I'll tell you what, the NFL is in good hands when it comes to the quarterbacks in the league right now. Yeah, that's two of the t- that's the three best teams in the AFC, if you ask yep. me, right? That's Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson. To me, those are the three best teams, and that's three of the top six or seven quarterbacks in, in the league. So I'm with you all the way on that one, partner. I will take Buffalo winning this game 72-2. to two. 72 to 2. Okay, so I have to. that's not, not going to work for you, pal. This is going to be a three point loss for the John, I appreciate you making the time, man. I know your life is busy right now, but you and I love talking to each other and we love talking about football and we love getting this out there to the, the, to the people. And so I want to wish you and your family all the best this holiday season. Thank you, my friend. You know what? 2020, it's been a rough year for many, many people for a lot of reasons. Um, and I wish everybody better. But you know what? It brought us a great friendship. So we, so that's our one thank you we'll give to 2020, I guess, that we, we got to do the show and, and meet all our other friends as well and get JB involved, who I've known for many, many years. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll be in touch now in the future as we go forward. And uh, maybe we'll do some basketball and stuff, too, as the season wraps up. We'll see where it goes, partner. Definitely. You can find John Frisella over on Twitter at Legend Sports 7. Don't forget about his blog either. John Frisella blog over there. He's all over the place. You can go to Aaron Torres as well and find him and his article there for your fantasy championship week 16 fantasy championship advice. That'd be wonderful, John. I appreciate your articles each and every week and all the hard work that you do. You can also find me on Twitter at Loafinit. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. Head over to Anchor FM. Subscribe to the show. Slap those stars around on the iTunes app. And don't forget to leave a comment or a review. But more importantly than all that, Fit Fam, we thank you for listening. And we always want to encourage you to find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today.